Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The final edition. This week, we're heading into Thanksgiving, and if you're thankful for this show, you should probably thank the guy who started it, which would be Tony Hendra. So, all the sketches this week were written by Tony, as far as I can tell. A little tricky to be sure without actually telling him we were going to do this, but I've confirmed as much as I could with Jeff Chrysler, and I've listened for certain signs that I think characterize a Tony Hendra sketch. They're always clever, they're sometimes tragic, and they tend to reference literary and religious sources. I do know for sure that's him singing behind me right now in his old stand-up comedy team from the 1960s. Good song, actually. Anywho, this is the final edition Radio Hour. It's time for the final edition's finance feature, Money or Die. CEOs of major corporations accustomed to paying low or no taxes are getting nervous about their tax strategies in the next administration. Our very own Money Honey Bunny Bucks has the scoop. Corporations are between a rock and a hard place. If the GOP wins, will President Romney actually follow through on his campaign promise to close tax loopholes? And if the Dems win... Will a second-term Obama finally implement his plan to tax big corporations till they bleed? What do they do? Fred Bread, Deloitte professor of voodoo accounting at the University of Phoenix, thinks he knows. Okay, on the left we have a secret Muslim fundamentalist posing as an inner-city evangelical holy roller. On the right, we have a Mormon bishop as president and a fanatical right-wing Catholic for vice president. Now... What is the one thing all these guys respect? Um, money? No, silly! Religion! Now, in our crazy deist republic, what corporate entities have the juiciest tax breaks of all? Um, GM. GE? No, silly! Religions! So, if a corporation can prove it's actually a religion, in the next administration, they will pay zero taxes. To test his theory, Professor Bread took me along with him for a show-and-tell meeting with Robert Iger of the largest entertainment conglomerate in the world, Disney Inc. Okay, Professor, let me get this straight. You're saying the Disney Corporation exhibits all the characteristics of a religion? Yes! A better name would be the Church of the Holy Rodent. Holy Rodent? 
I don't know. Hear me out. The Rodentine Faith Center is around three persons, Mickey, Donald, and Goofy. Icons so sacred, they adorned the planes, tanks, and ships, which won the crusade against fascism in World War II. I guess that's true. So, like the Christian Trinity, the Rodentine Trinity is one in spirit, but with three distinct persons. God the Vermin. Uh-huh. Up and him, pal. God the Duck. <laughs> and God the Holy Goof. <laughs> when you put it like that... Denying it feels almost like blasphemy. Exactly. These are saints so sacred. Not only have they never had sex, they don't even have sexual characteristics. Yeah, I've often wondered, how did Scrooge McDuck actually have Huey, Dewey, and Louie? He didn't. Every one of them is virgin births. Good answer. I like where this is going. All Disney females, from Snow White to Mary Poppins, are virgins. Especially Bambi's mother, when she presents the world with her little Bambi, the Bambino. The new prince is born. This is genius. Wait, what about Minnie? I would surmise that Minnie had a murky past before she got together with Mickey. Meet Minnie Magdalene. <laughs> Now that's a global blockbuster. Mickey, Minnie, Donald, and Goofy return in an animated New Testament. Get me Katzenberg. Finally, there's Disney's immutable doctrine of resurrection after death. Or apparent death. That's true. All the heroines die and come back to life. Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, Ariel, Mulan. Heroes, too. What about Mowgli? And Pinocchio. Pinocchio even has a conscience. Jiminy Cricket. There's two ways to do anything. The right way and the wrong way. Whose initials are... J.C. Pinocchio undergoes the torments of Jonah in the belly of a whale and is transfigured by resurrection into a real boy. I'm a real boy! Plus, plus, his father is a carpenter! Oh my god! I would argue to the IRS that Pinocchio fulfills the opening words of St. John's Gospel. In the beginning was the wood... And the wood was made flesh. Oh my god! This is huge. No way we'll ever pay another cent in taxes. Because know what? Like all great religions, we do discourage sex of any kind. And we do encourage people to make pilgrimages to major shrines. In fact, I'm renaming our Florida operations tomorrow. I can see it now. Disney World to come! The Magic Kingdom of Heaven! Brilliant! That should cinch it tax-wise. Ye shall be rewarded a thousandfold! Disney has already applied to the IRS for tax-exempt status as an established faith. Experts from Deloitte say it's a slam dunk. Disney will then rebrand itself globally as the Holy Rodent Empire. And you wish upon a star Makes no difference who you are Anything your heart 
desires will come to you. The House Republicans' new budget does away with Medicare and repeals Obamacare. Budget Committee Chairman Paul Ryan is under pressure to explain how seniors will receive adequate health care in the future. The dynamic blue-eyed young congressman has answers in an exclusive interview with our strong Morgan and Pepper Lewis. Congressman, what is your dramatic new proposal for replacing Medicare? First of all, strong and Pepper, let me come clean. Those stupid vouchers, that's just to get seniors on board by thinking they can get more cash out of Social Security. Idiots! Vouchers won't come close to paying soaring medical bills, but they will help bankrupt Social Security. So what will replace Medicare? I believe, as a devout Catholic, that health, like all our rights, comes from God. Wait, wait, you're saying health care is a right? Isn't that European socialism? I said health, not health care. Health, like all our rights, wealth, for instance, has to be earned. How do you earn health? Prayer, fasting, good works. Hard to be against that, I guess. But um, in practice, how will you keep seniors alive? Well, we propose to abolish Medicare entirely and replace it with a faith-based system of healing and treatment called Metaprayer. You are joking. For centuries, devout people like my fellow Catholics, Southern Baptists, Evangelicals, Pentecostals have survived just fine on a reliable system of miraculous cures and medical treatment based on fervent prayer. We need to get back to that pure, conservative simplicity. You expect miracles to work in the 21st century? Well, how has the Catholic Church survived 2,000 years? Why are the Southern Baptists bigger than ever? Because they all eat at Chick-fil-A? Metaprayer providers will bring miraculous healing into the 21st century. They'll work with approved medical professionals to make sure every Metaprayer includes the exact nature and location of a patient's medical condition so that God's attention, or the appropriate saints, can be focused with laser-like precision on a cure. Give us an example. Absolutely. Let me introduce Dr. Phil Faustus, Professor Emeritus of Faith-Based Oncology at Bob Jones University. Dr. Faustus, heal thy patient. Oh, Lord, shower thy faithful patient, Tabitha McGee, age 64 of Tallahassee, diagnosed with inoperable stage 4 esophageal cancer, in the supremo chemo of thy mercy. Shrink to nothing the 2.4 centimeter malignant tumor in the C3 vector of her squamous tissue with the blazing light of thy divine radiation. Amen. That cured an inoperable stage 4 malignant tumor? I'm cured. Praise Jesus. That old demon's flying right out of a wimpop. See? According to accredited, non-indicted GOP medical consultants, Metaprayer cure rates will be competitive with or better than those now achieved by wasteful Medicare providers. And at a tiny fraction of the cost. Except for Tabitha's copay. Put the bills in the bucket, honey. Say Metaprayer comes up with some miraculous cures. What about prevention? Holy pictures and medals, pilgrimages to Lourdes, Salt Lake City, Graceland... And Metaprayer's most popular preventative protocol? 
Those lovely images of the Virgin that appear in cornflakes, rust stains, used diapers. Jesus, you're replacing effective health care with ruthless exploitation of the gullibility of the poor and aged. Hey, I saw an image of the Virgin just yesterday in the 2013 first quarter receivables liabilities curve of Coke Industries. You know what? My reflux problem cleared up like that. Really? I get terrible reflux. That's no miracle, Congressman. You're an extremely wealthy young man who can afford to stay in shape. You know why I glow with health, Pepper? Because my heart is pure. And since you mentioned Jesus, albeit blasphemously, Metaprayer draws its power from the example of our Savior Jesus Christ and His awesome miracles. As I recall, Jesus didn't charge a penny for curing the sick and the lame. We don't know that. When Christ returns, I'm sure he'll charge a competitive fee for any miraculous healing. I'm beginning to get into this. Miraculous healthcare, especially with Jesus 2.0, it'll make great television. Ugh! I give up. Men are morons! Thank you, Strong, and you, Pepper. May God forgive your vile and sinful disbelief. Allow me the final word here. My fellow Americans, we are a Christian nation. When you get right down to it, faithful Christians don't really need that much medical care, do we? After all, this life is just preparing for the next, which is why God hates Obamacare. He wants you all to repeal Obamacare now and get on the fast track to heaven. It's time for another story from the final edition's big book of improving virtues. Tonight... The Goose That Laid the Golden Eggs, in which we learn that greed, coupled with the right technology, works wonders. A man and his wife had the good fortune to own a goose that laid a golden egg every day. The eggs varied slightly in quality, from around 14 carats to around 18 carats. They varied even more in weight, depending on the thickness of the shell. The eggs were not, as many have assumed, solid. Some days the egg might weigh as much as 8 or 9 ounces, sometimes as little as 3. Depending on the daily price fixing in London, which at that time fluctuated considerably between a low of about $210 an ounce to a high of around $326, this could mean extraordinary instability in their monthly income, or rather that of Acme Precious Metal Inc., the Delaware Corporation through which they traded. Seeking to both maximize and stabilize their cash flow, the man and his wife decided to find out more about the internal physiology of the goose. They reasoned that it was possible the goose was composed entirely of gold. Since the animal weighed almost 20 pounds, this could give them a one-time capital infusion, which had some advantages over an unpredictable revenue flow, especially in the light of Acme's rising costs. For example, processing the impure metal, broker's commissions, etc. They hired a reputable veterinarian who took the goose to his clinic placed it under general anaesthetic, and made a large incision from the bird's sternum all the way to the base of its vertebrae, thus exposing the ovarian tract. He was not surprised to find that its internal anatomy was entirely normal. The man and his wife, however, were taken aback and demanded that the veterinarian perform a more invasive procedure, specifically on the ovarian tract. He refused unless they agreed to sign a waiver, freeing him from all liability in the event that this had catastrophic consequences, 
For example, trauma to the reproductive system, which might prevent the goose from laying any further eggs. Optional moral ending A. While they were discussing the waiver, the bird experienced acute respiratory failure and died. Thus, the man and his wife neither achieved a one-time capital infusion, nor did they any longer have any monthly revenue. They brought a malpractice suit against the anesthesiologist, but it was thrown out of court. Optional moral ending B. The veterinarian convinced the man and his wife that the risks of a more invasive procedure far outweighed the benefits. He closed and sutured the incision. After a week or so, the goose recuperated and began again to lay the golden eggs. Acme continued to experience erratic revenue flow, but later diversified into municipal bonds and achieved a measure of financial stability. Optional moral ending C. The man and his wife signed the waiver, and the veterinarian proceeded to examine the bird's reproductive system more closely. He found that the golden eggs had actually occluded the bird's ovarian tract, and that nine fully formed normal eggs were thus prevented from being laid. He removed the eggs, closed the incisions, and placed the normal eggs in an incubator. The goose recovered fully and resumed laying golden eggs. All nine normal eggs hatched successfully, and at an early age the goslings also began to lay golden eggs. For unexplained reasons, the quality of the gold improved to a fairly consistent 21 carats, and sheer volume ironed out the peaks and valleys in the egg weight curve. Through regular caesarean section of the normal eggs, the flock of geese grew to number some 1,200 birds. Acme Precious Metal experienced an annual growth in excess of 1,000% for seven straight years, went public, doubled its stock several times, and made the man and his wife incredibly wealthy. The End. On July the 2nd of this year, it will be the 52nd anniversary of an epochal event in American literature. The suicide via shotgun to the mouth of Ernest Hemingway. Although his wife Mary and sons Bumpy, or Jack, and Mousy, or Patrick, denied for years that Hemingway had killed himself, they had only one piece of evidence to support their claim. There was no suicide note. The man many thought the finest writer of the 20th century had nothing to write at the end. But he did. After more than half a century, the Final Edition Radio Hour's research team has found Hemingway's suicide note. Through the miracle of radio, we take you back to Ketchum, Idaho, in the summer of 1961, as the great man penned his last words. July 2nd, 1961, 6.14 a.m. Mary, Bumpy, Mousy, rest of gang. Been thinking. Tough after all the electroshock, but here goes. What will Hemingway leave behind? A few good books? Okay, that ought to be it for the obit. He wrote a few good books. Yes, there was the drinking, and the hunting, and the whoring, and the fishing, and the talking about the drinking, and the hunting, and the whoring, and the fishing. That was all good, too. But that was for pal consumption, by invitation only. Always hated the star part. Shy as a doe under this elephant hide. Only thing hated more than signing name on checks to taxman, signing it on dog-eared editions of Sun Also Rises. But hating fame 
doesn't keep it away. Swat a fly, ten more appear. Do they read even the few good books anymore? No. Only people who read The Old Man in the Sea were 30 Swedish nitwits in Stockholm. The Nobel Prize for Nitwitrature. So what has Hemingway left behind? Well, this. Every young punk with a liberal arts degree and a chin full of fuzz and his huevos bursting with juice wants to be Hemingway. Two generations of them now. At least the one in the 30s had some politics, fought wars, fished fish, hoard whores, knew how to read and shoot and drink and talk. A few even knew the back end of a bull from the front. But this second one, these crew-cut, corn-fed, Eisenhower mommy boys, who've never seen a comrade shot dead at their side or an elk breaking cover at first light, with their butts like the fenders of a 55 Chevy, unread paperbacks in the back pockets of their chinos, babbling bits of Spanish to each other, but never to Spaniards, the only hard muscle in their soft bodies, that faithful drinking arm. They think all that is being Hemingway. In Havana, the Floridita was full of them. Couldn't go in there anymore. Key West, the same. 59 in Sierra, in Pamplona. Punk comes up in the Choco Bar, me talking quietly with Antonio after a good fight. Wants me to drink from his damn bota, threw it in the street, him after it. Can't go back there either, won't be able to go anywhere soon. World full of wannabe Hemingways. That's all Hemingways really left behind. A bushy salt and pepper beard and an ever-faithful drinking arm. Time to check out, gang. A quick, clean kill. The sun also sets. But here's the beauty part. Forty, fifty years from now, when all the want-to-be Hemingways are old and fat and their chin fuzz is fried to bristle, and their huevos are dried up like figs in a dusty street. But they still want to do it all like Hemingway. They'll have to eat a shotgun, too. Adios. It's time for another episode of Sister Mary Che Explains It All For You. Hello, ladies. It's your little old left-lib nun again, Sister Mary Che, coming to you live from the mother house of my wonderful, wonderful order, the Little Sisters of Noam Chomsky. Big news in nun world this week, ladies. Our nemesis, Benji the Rottweiler of God, is resigning to spend more time with his family. Oh, oh no. Wait. (laughs) 
The moment we ladies of the Vale heard this news, we went, I think the expression is batshit. You see, Benji had been making life hell or purgatory now that hell's been abolished for us American nuns. He ordered a nationwide visitation, translation, traveling inquisition, to congregations he considered heretical, translation, lefties. And the little sisters of Noam Chomsky were prime targets. We couldn't imagine why. And then the visitator, or as we called her, Sister Axe, told us, it was because Sister Germaine and Sister Gloria had been communicating with known homosexuals. Well, holy duh! If you can't talk to your patients, it's a bit hard to run an AIDS hospice, isn't it? Okay, some nuns do have slightly extreme views. There's a teaching order in Wisconsin called the Little Sisters of We're Nuns, Get Used to It, Okay? Which works very well for them in inner-city neighborhoods where they teach. But they also claim the latest biblical research proves conclusively Jesus was a woman and from now on should be called the Ms. Aya. So, because they're all lesbians, and they're all brides of Christ, they're all in same-sex marriages. Very threatening to Benji. He wanted nuns back in our traditional roles, cooking and cleaning toilets for priests, and occasionally doing them ugh, favors, and always in those horrid, sweaty, itchy habits. The Vatican version of the burqa. But Benji's given up. No stamina. Not infallible. God's Rottweiler is off to the Shady Pines doggy rest home. We won. Now we're playing the old Catholic guessing game. Who's your papa? Which one of the very old, very unmarried, 90% white, 90% European men will be the next Pope? The next Holy Father of Holy Mother Church? Pretty clear where we are in that relationship, right ladies? Not on top. Yes, we have nothing to say about who it's going to be. Even if the next pope is black or brown, there'll still be two classes in the church. The people with penises, the hierarchy, and us without the lowerarchy. But we little sisters of this and that will always outlast them because we do what the men are supposed to do but often don't. You know, all that boring Christ stuff and we don't spend a fortune on dresses. Never forget, ladies, life doesn't begin at conception. Life begins at 40. This is your little old left-lib nun, Sister Mary Che, saying farewell till next time. Ah, women! And now, Episode 1 of Miles the Millennial. Fellow boomers, 
I'd like you to welcome our new intern, Miles. Miles is a millennial. Oh, hello, Miles. That's a whack name. Did your mother have you on a road trip? I can, I see, can see for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles! Hey, guys, awesome. What's awesome, Miles? Um, like you guys, um, interning for a startup? We're not a startup. We're a multi-billion dollar company. Do you know who you're interning for, Miles? Um, yeah, uh, I put it in my cell. Uh, hold on a second. I... Boominet, right. Miles. The Health and Life Extension Project. We're the number one wellness network for young seniors, bringing together the biggest, best, and brightest generation in history so they can live longer, better lives. Awesome. Do you actually know what awe is, Miles the Millennial? Hey, uh, yeah, it's like the stuff metal comes from. That's O-R-E, Miles. A-W-E means amazement at someone's power, charisma, and achievements. Amazement tinged with intimidation. Aw, sounds awesome. You know, Head Boomer, Miles isn't wrong when he uses the term awesome about us. Given that we have all the power and most of the money. And aim to keep it that way throughout the long and rewarding lives we're looking forward to. Um, awesome? You have a girlfriend, Miles? Do I have to tell you? Yes, you do. It's a key part of BoomerNet culture to be frank and open about your sexual status. And preferences. And experiences. And experimentation. It's mandatory, Miles. Your job's on the line here. I'm seeing this chick, yeah. Is she a real girlfriend or just a friend who delivers one particular benefit? We've been hanging out a while. What's her name? Bree. Bree? What, what kind of a name, name is Bree? I hope it's short for, say, Brianna. Or Bria, or Brielle, or Briellen. They're acceptable girls' names. No, just Bree. It's a cool name. Miles, when you first met, did you know that Bree is a cheese? No, I don't do cheese. Ah, uh, Senator, I'd like you to meet my daughter Bree, and this is her boyfriend, Cheddar. Now on, Miles, we think we're going to call you Cheddar. Brie is a very pungent, runny cheese, Cheddar. Do you think of your Brie as very pungent and runny? Only when she's sitting on my face. Ew! <laughs> NSFW, Cheddar. There's a lady present, Cheddar. Did you perhaps hope in saying that, Cheddar, to make us feel bad? Envious of your sex life? Because you think we fantasize about having sex with men or women half or a third our age? In short, that we're dirty old boomers? M maybe, a little bit. <laughs> I'd call that blatant generational discrimination, Cheddar. Ages too. We may have to consult our attorneys about that remark. Do you have an attorney, Chad Old Sport? Are you kidding? I don't have a cent. So if we choose to press charges for workplace discrimination... You'll be up shit creek without a paddle. Wow, Chad Old Sport. This could be the total end of your career. On the first day of your first job, too. Are you guys serious? Seriously? I I was just trying to make a joke. I didn't mean it. Seriously? We'll let you know if our attorneys recommend reporting you to OSHA or whatever the applicable federal agency is. Oh my god! Please don't report me! What do I tell my parents? Oh my god! I need this job! My student loans are crazy! I'll do anything! Please! I'm really sorry! Too late for apologies, Jet Old Sport. You can't unfry an egg. Let's get to work. Okay, first assignment, go learn, by heart, everything in the If You Don't Buy This Magazine, We'll Shoot This Dog issue of National Lampoon. The what of the what? Don't ask questions, Miles. You're not a questioning generation. Google it. On it. But why? So you'll know what's really funny. Way funnier than Judd Apatow movies or Colbert or Louis C.K. or Jimmy Kimmel. Or The Onion or Funny or Die or BuzzFeed or College Humor. WTF or Jezebel or Reddit or Dig or Huff.
Post Comedy Page. I can see for miles and miles. I can see for miles and miles. I can see for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles. amid the noise and waste and remember what comfort there may be in owning a piece thereof avoid quiet and passive persons unless you are in need of sleep rotate your tires speak glowingly of those greater than yourself and heed well their advice even though they be turkeys know what to kiss and when consider that two wrongs never make a right but the three do. Wherever possible, put people on hold. Be comforted that in the face of all aridity and disillusionment, and despite the changing fortunes of time, there is always a big future in computer maintenance. Remember the Pueblo. Strive at all times to bend, fold, spindle, and mutilate. Know yourself. If you need help, call the FBI. Exercise caution in your daily affairs, especially with those persons closest to you. That lemon on your left, for instance. Be assured that a walk through the ocean of most souls would scarcely get your feet wet. Fall not in love, therefore. It will stick to your face. Gracefully surrender the things of youth, birds, clean air, tuna, Taiwan, and let not the sands of time get in your lunch. Hire people with hooks. For a good time, call 606-4311. Ask for Ken. Take heart amid the deepening gloom that your dog is finally getting enough cheese. And reflect that whatever misfortune may be your lot, it could only be worse in Milwaukee. You are a fluke of the universe. You have no right to be here. And whether you can hear it or not, the universe is laughing behind your back. Therefore, make peace with your God, whatever you conceive him to be. Hairy thunderer or cosmic muffin. With all its hopes, dreams, promises, and urban renewal, the world continues to deteriorate. Give up. 
So that was all written by Tony Hendra. It was performed by him as well as Darby Worley, Barry Lank, John Marshall, Anne Tuchel, Kevin Janis, Rob Gordon, Jennifer Dodd, Norman Rose, and Melissa Manchester, with music in the last sketch by Christopher Guest. All the segments this week were engineered by Greg Russ and Andrew Hammond. The show was strung together by Barry Lank. We're going to be on a winter vacation for a bit. Good night. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.